Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Very glad you are along for the ride. How important is customer service to you? In addition to valuing the quality of the product that you're buying, how much do you value the quality of service you receive when you're buying that product? My first guest today developed a research tool that is used to track people's overall satisfaction with their consumer experience. Klaus Fornell is the distinguished Donald C. Cook Emeritus Professor of Business at the University of Michigan. The tool he and his team developed is called the American Customer Satisfaction Index, or the ACSI. Klaus Fornell joins us on Zoom. Professor, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. So what exactly are you measuring? Well, let me give you a, a very brief introduction of what we have here. The American Customer Satisfaction Index, or as you also call it, ACSI is what I will refer to it as in the uh, next several minutes. Uh, we started about 30 years ago, in 1994, at the University of Michigan. Now, I thought we needed a complement to the GDP. Uh, and GDP is basically a measure of the quantity of economic outputs. But to me, it seemed that how can you even talk about the quantity of output, even measured in dollars, if you don't know the quality of that output? Okay? So who determines quality? In a market economy, it's simple. The consumer does. Not government inspectors from the Bureau of Labor as in the price index or anything like that. So... The American Customer Satisfaction Index gets data from about 500,000 people per year in the U.S., and we cover uh, 47 industries and about 400 major companies. In a market economy, now, what's the purpose of business? Is obviously to satisfy the consumer so that he or she will not go elsewhere, stay with the company, and if that's the case, the company will do well have good profits at low risk and low volatility and high stock returns. So we have researched this, and this is, this is actually what happens. However, now we're in a very, very unusual situation. So what can we say about the economy today? And I'm just going to be very short about this. First, inflation is now uh, about 7.1%. Uh, but that is not adjusted for the quality decline as seen by consumers, as I just talked about. And if we look back a few years, 2018, customer satisfaction has declined by 5%. But if you add that now to the inflation number, certainly 7% is too low. We have a much higher inflation. I would add several percentage points to that if you adjust for quality, which you have to do. If you go back and, and buy something and the quality is worse, particularly in the service economy, um, you know, obviously that has to be uh, taken into account in the inflation numbers. And when you say quality, you're talking about the service or the, the product itself, or are you talking about the experience of buying that product? I and mean, if you go to a retail store, for example, uh, in your retail index, um, you list Costco. Uh, which was interestingly interesting to me, uh, as 
the top of the heap when it comes to customer satisfaction. It was next to Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's, of course, uh, you know, for for since time eternal, <laughs> has been known for its great customer service uh, and uh, you know good positive experiences that customers have had in those stores for years. Um, but but the tables have turned. Is it is it that people think the stuff they buy at Costco is is better than than the stuff they buy other places, or is the experience of going to Costco and working with the uh, or interacting with the the staff at Costco is that all part of it as well? It's all of the above. It's the total experience, but not just the experience of buying and shopping, but the consumption experience as well. And Costco has has done very well. Nordstrom used to do well, uh, not so strong anymore. Uh, so, so you know, it, it varies, but it is very important to make sure in a competitive economy that the, the consumers are, are treated well, that they get the stuff they want at, at reasonable prices, and chances are they will come back to, to the company. Uh, if, if that doesn't happen, well, you know, if you lose customers, it's not so, um, it's not so good. Professor Klaus Fornell is the distinguished Donald C. Cook Emeritus Professor of Business at the University of Michigan. We're talking about customer satisfaction, specifically the ACSI, or the American Customer Satisfaction Index. If you have a question or comment for Professor Fornell, 410-662-8780, our email midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. I'm Tom Hall. So, Professor, um, you noted that there has been a decline in customer satisfaction uh, since about 2018, 2019. That seems to be the high watermark uh, in this 30-year arc of when you've been uh, studying this. What, what, uh, what, what do you attribute that to? Why is it getting less and less? It started before um, we, we had uh, the inflation and uh, even before COVID, and that had to do with uh, misallocation of resources for, for many companies. They simply did not have the analytical tools. They spent a lot of money, but the tools did not tell them what exactly they should do to improve customer satisfaction. So they did sort of the opposite, and, and customer satisfaction started to decline. Then it declined even more, uh, first due to COVID, and then the, the addition that came with um the uh, the inflation, the war, and the big supply problems that, that most companies uh, faced. And in addition to that, and this is very strange, I've never seen the, the economy behave in this way, a very strong labor market. So uh, there was shortage both in product, service, and in, in uh, getting individuals that could actually do a good job in the stores or in uh, the various business uh, companies that uh, serve the uh, the consumer. Even with inflation, you note uh, in a recent uh, report that consumer spending was positive during the first two quarters of this year, of 2022. And of course, we're now uh, fully into the holiday season. GDP has, has declined, but spending uh, has been up. That, tell us the relationship between the ACSI and conf- consumer confidence. Um, these are two different things. We hear about consumer confidence being measured. Um, are they related at all? They're, they're not that much related. Uh, consumer confidence has to do with expectations about the future and uh, 
I, I think it's a good measure of uh, what what is going to happen, how consumers see, see things, and whether or not we're, we're going to have a big problem with inflation, which we have now. I mean, we have a very, very unusual situation. As you pointed out, consumer spending has been reasonably strong. How is that possible when, when customers are dissatisfied and prices are rising? Uh, it, it, it's not going to last forever. In fact, I can see it coming down a little bit. The, the uh, recent numbers came out came out today. So uh, consumer spending is actually down a little, but but a lot stronger than it was last year. But it's down relative to to October. This was uh, November numbers. Uh, so now, how how do you manage an economy like we have uh, right now with prices up? Uh, spending not weak, but probably on its way down. And we have this very unusual situation that in many cases, demand is greater than supply. There are shortages. When that's the case, a lot of things break down. The, the economy does not function well. It's like consumers are competing with one another to, to get the products they want, and companies are competing less. So it's easier for companies, regardless of whether their costs are in increasing or not, to increase price to maximize profit, which is not a good idea. They're, they're, they're not a good situation. There, there's no uh, control here for uh, for inflation, and I'm not sure what to do. We haven't tried the price controls in a long time because they usually don't work. But just to interest, just to increase interest rates, which what the Fed is is doing, which is a standard measure for curbing inflation, it's amazing to me that for for I don't know fifty years or so we have not come up with a better um, tool to um, to curb inflation. But we are where we are, and it doesn't look to me uh, that it's getting a lot better. Inflation is coming down a little bit. But it's far too little. Yeah, it was you know seven point seven percent last month and seven point one percent the most recent month. So it is it is sneaking down. Gas is uh, less expensive than it used to be. Uh, it's yep. certainly less expensive than it was a year ago. There's expectation that gas here in the Maryland area at least will be. Uh, under $3 a gallon uh, sometime early in 2023. So um, it's really hard to say. Of course, people's perception of inflation and people and the actuality of inflation uh, sometimes are not quite synced up. It's interesting to me that um, you studied, for example, retail and consumer shipping. We talked about Costco uh, and stores like uh, Nordstrom. You uh, uh, analyzed travel, the travel industry, and restaurants. Restaurants in general, according to your data, seem to be uh, the most highly uh, uh, satisfying experiences for consumers. Um, those the, the the leading restaurants uh, are in the eighty percentiles uh, out of a hundred, uh, whereas you know uh, even the leading retail outlets uh, are in the high sixties or low seventies. Um, what do you think accounts for that? People people don't seem all that dissatisfied with restaurants, and it'll surprise folks I think when they hear which restaurants uh, are the most popular. Well, it surprises me too. But these are, this is for sit-down restaurants, not for fast food. Uh, for some reason, and it, it's, this is unclear, maybe because all other alternatives are, are, are bad, to go to a restaurant today, uh, most most um, 
guests are very, very satisfied. And uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know why that is. Maybe it's because you get away from all the trouble with uh, there's inflation there too, but with COVID and and, and other things, and um, that uh, the inflation there is not as high as as one would um, think, although it's it's still significant. But mm-hmm. it's it, it is somewhat of a mystery. Now there there are other companies that also have to do with food that are doing take trader joe's for example they're even higher that's a that's the highest company as far as i can see right now highest scoring customer satisfaction company among all the companies we measure and it's at uh, 85 on a, on a scale uh, from zero to 100 and i've talked to folks who work uh, at trader joe's who tell me that it's a good place to work it's a good company to work for there's there's employee satisfaction being an employee of Trader Joe's. And I have to think that there's some correlation there, that if the folks working there uh, are generally pretty happy, uh, the customers with whom they're interacting uh, are going to feel that vibe and uh, and be, be happy themselves. Yeah, right about that. There's a very strong correlation between employee satisfaction and customer satisfaction, particularly in companies and industries that have a big service component. With the fast food restaurants, and you mentioned the, the you know the the uh, full service restaurants, the sit down restaurants, and by the way, Longhorn Steakhouse leads the list. Texas Roadhouse and Cracker Barrel, uh, a restaurant chain that's been around for five thousand years, uh, is right up there in the top three, followed by Fridays and the Olive Garden, those kinds of big chains and stuff. But when it comes to fast food, Chick Fil A, uh, you you say it has a, has a stranglehold. On the food industry, and our producer, Tria Rogers, giving a big high five to Chick-fil-A. She's a Chick-fil-A fan. What is it about Chick-fil-A that appears that appeals to Tria and uh, millions of other people? Very good service and very consistent product that their customers like. I'm not a fan. I don't go there that often. But, you know, that's what they do. And, and it's very, very consistent. I assume that the employees are happy because they they, uh, treat their customers very well. And I think they've been on top for seven, eight years or so in the ACSI. A remarkable achievement. But they are also very, very good. This I know for a fact. They're very, very good at analyzing customer data. And customer data, this is something, uh, as I understand, that you want the ACSI to be able to sort of dig a little deeper than, than a lot of companies uh, do with the customer data they get. We, we talk an awful lot about uh, the data dumps that, uh, that uh, social media corporations have, companies have uh, on uh, consumers, and they sell that information to people. Um, people are always trying to get you to uh, subscribe to their app or download their app. You know, McDonald's wants you to order food on their app. Um, so if they uh, entice you in with free food to get you to be on the app, uh, this is going to long-term help them. What kind of data uh, is the most helpful to companies when it comes to their plans in increasing satisfaction? We have found that the most uh, useful data for companies is uh, basically a a score on how good or how bad their various products, services, etc. are. 
And then, and now it gets a little technical, but I'll, I'll try to be uh, as clear as I can about this. And then a system that can actually prioritize to tell you, okay, if you if you do better in this aspect, whether it's you know serving customers quickly or or just being a, a pleasant person or whatever it is, uh, it would tell you what the expected satisfaction will be. And we use that type of system, and it 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 works extremely well. But for for doing that, you need a fairly I shouldn't say complex, but an advanced analytical, as actually mathematical system that could tell you, okay, do X, Y, Z, and your customer satisfaction will increase by X. Let's go to the phones and uh, get one question from a listener. Charles, uh, what is your question for Professor Fornell? Well, when I listen to the, the, the date that the professor talks about the decline or the peaking in um, in customer satisfaction, it is interesting to me that um, that really seems to coincide with a big spike in political animosity and discord, um, and that satisfaction with with uh, the leadership in the country. You know, nobody gets good scores. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on or, or the political spectrum. And is there a correlation between kind of the general malaise that people feel about the country going in the wrong direction um, and the peaking of the customer satisfaction index. Yeah, that's a good question, Charles. And and Professor Fornell, I'd assume that there is. I mean, if you're generally dissatisfied, you're going to be perhaps specifically dissatisfied with the store or the airline or whatever that you're using. I think that might be true to some extent that you uh, you have an inclination to, uh, to not being too happy about anything, but you were happier a few years ago that covers just about everything so i think the caller is right now how big that effect is and can it be counteracted by by companies and retailers doing things well i think that is true also but it it is probably true that there is an over overall i don't know what to call it i don't want to call it dissatisfaction but but uh, a, a a feeling that things are not right and i'm not as happy as I used to be, and that, of course, has an effect on, on the overall index as well. How big it is, my guess is that it's not really super big, but it's probably there. Klaus Fornell is a distinguished emeritus professor of business at the University of Michigan. He's an expert in customer experience management. Professor, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, and uh, happy holidays. Same to you. Thank you. Coming up, buyer beware. Angie Barnett of the Better Business Bureau of Greater Maryland joins me with cautionary tales about scams that proliferate at the holidays. She joins me on the other side of a quick break. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is your NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR. 
And welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. Coming up tomorrow, it's the annual Midday Holiday Concert with Helicon and Friends. This is always a fun thing that we do every year. The acclaimed trio and a host of guest artists will treat us with a set drawn from traditions around the world in a preview of their annual winter solstice concerts this weekend. They'll play live from the performance studio at our sister station, WTMD. That's tomorrow here on Midday. And joining me now is Angie Barnett. She's the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Greater Maryland. From porch pirates who steal packages, sometimes within seconds of their being delivered, to internet scams designed to take over your computer and or your wallet, to all manner of other schemes, the holidays present opportunities for nefarious characters to prey on folks, especially older folks. So let's talk about what we can do to guard against these scams. Angie Barnett joins us on Zoom. Ms. Barnett, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Tom. So uh, one of the things that you've listed is uh, a whole list of the 12 scams of <laughs> Christmas. Um, let's start with a few of those. Um, misleading social media ads are a big problem. So finding an ad in a in a newspaper, perhaps, or seeing it on television is one thing, but seeing it on Facebook or on TikTok or Instagram might be another thing. That's right. And let me mention that with um, when the pandemic uh, was upon us, I'll have to say online shopping, online, and then moving to social media became one of the, the number one scam uh, platforms for scams to occur, which, interesting enough, leveled the playing field. So scams are no longer really just targeted to our seniors because young people, everyone was scrolling faster than lightning, using online shopping without looking at what websites they were on. So what a change we've had in the last two to three years, social media ads being one of our top scams. So what can you do to protect against that? I guess you have to really do some research and look into what it is they're uh, uh, you know, trying to convince you to buy. Absolutely. And what I'll say is what attracts us. First, think about when we're all scrolling through social media, we move at a pretty fast pace. Number two, pictures, photos. Photos really entice us, lure us in. We love to shop with businesses that say, and a uh, part of your proceeds goes to help the homeless or clean up the ocean. So it has an emotional appeal in social media. And sometimes we look down and go, oh, others have liked this or shared this. So with social media ads can be misleading in that a scammer set them up, actually paid for placement. And what happens is you go click online. And before you know it, you're giving your credit card personal information to purchase something that's never delivered. The other area where social media ads really hit us are the free trial offers. This is particularly important in uh, diet supplements, vitamins, health items. And what we hear year after year, social media ads can, um, I think I'm buying a six foot tree and I get a six inch tree ornament. And I've paid for that six-foot tree. So counterfeit or uh, faulty default um, items really pop up. So social media has really taken a hold of us. And we're seeing an increased dollar loss with these. So bottom line, and you asked, and I finally got to it, what do I do about it? 
um, I really encourage you, if you see something you like in social media, go and into your web browser and simply Google or find that company and that item and order it, not from the social media platform, but order it directly from um, the website. And that way you can look and make sure that website is legitimate and those items are there. And of course, skipping around your list, uh, not doing these in numerical order, once you get to that website, you have to be sure that it's the real website. Because one of the things that scammers do is they have lookalike websites. How do you tell the difference between a fake website and the real deal? Isn't that something? Because what scammers are doing, they actually can lift the logos, the wording, the text, um, font, colors, etc., and create websites that you think you're actually shopping on something you're familiar with. So number one, go up to the web, um, the browser uh, and hover over it or click on it. Not, don't click on it, but just highlight it. And make sure that if you're shopping, and let me just use this as an example, if you're shopping at a brand box, a well-known, that that's what you see in that link and not a bunch of goobledygarp, real technical word there, but goobledygarp that doesn't make any sense. I think I'm on a big box brand and it's not showing up in that browser. That's number one. Um, and I would say, again, um, using... Um, yourself and going, if you see something you like, go directly to that website yourself and don't rely on links in social media or your cell phone text messages or an email ad, you know, do the, use your browser and simply find that business yourself. One of the ones you have, actually, it's the last one on your list, just Mm -hmm. broke my heart. It's puppy scams. A lot of families say Christmas is a nice time to add a puppy, uh, a little dog, to their family unit. And you say that some 80% of sponsored pet advertisements may be fake. That's huge. It is very huge. This um, I mentioned um, online shopping is the number one scam since particularly since pandemic platforms or social media. And I will say puppy scams ranks up at the very top. Now, we've seen a slight decline in puppy scams since uh, 2020, 2021. But this is a two to three million dollar industry. And it's one of the highest dollar loss scams that we have. It's also an interesting scam because I'm going to say it's a two for one. I know that sounds silly, but scam artists will put up fake websites. And they're really, um, you find these websites for high value dog breeds like French Bulldogs, uh, Dachshunds, Yorkies, those types of dogs. You're wanting a, a, a purebred and you simply put in your browser the b- breed you're searching. These websites come up. You will end up frequently even speaking to the scam artist via text, email, build that quick, quick relationship. You pay $800, $900,000 to order a puppy. And it's so emotional. A, you're looking at photos that melt your heart. You're looking at um, and talking about this dog. And your family's all excited. You pay for it. And they will turn around and come back to you and say, well, the pet is stranded at the airport or it needs a special crate or it has to have a vet appointment. So you will actually spend more money and the pet never arrives. 
Many of these pet scams, the websites are set up overseas. Scam artists take them down ever so quickly. They have your credit card and your hopes, particularly those of your family and children, are so dashed. So um, it is a big scam. And I'll tell you a really quick tip. If you see a photo on a website, do a reverse image search and see how many other websites that same photo or those same descriptors come up. That's a good indicator. If you're looking for a breed, a particular breed, go to the American Kennel Club, call them, email them, ask them about where are some breeders that breed these particular dachshunds or whatever you're looking for. And, you know, you and I are going to say, and always please consider going to your local shelter and getting a pet. Absolutely. From them as well. There's, yeah. there's many, many available pets at yes. the uh, ASPCA or here in Baltimore at the Barks yeah. uh, Institution. There's, there's a bunch of folks in, in, in the counties uh, who are uh, looking for, for homes for needy animals. So, um, And then you, you go there, you see the actual dog. <laughs> you know, you yes. see the cat, you see whomever it is you're going to end up adding to your family. Um, talk about free gift cards. Um, you know, we hear the word free all the time. We will give you this free <laughs> gift card if you do X. Uh, a lot of times those are uh, not good deals at all. Yes. And the thing about free gift cards, most often um, this is a, we like word free. So scammers got us right there with that. And what they're trying to do is get you to complete a survey or getting you to engage with them. And once you begin that engagement, they're going to say, um, it, and it's it doesn't make sense, but it's true. They'll say, well, we need your credit card for the shipping fees to send you this free gift card. They will find reasons that you are enticed and actually believe that um, you are you know able to get something free by simply covering the the shipping costs. And remember those old commercials on TV when they used to say, not including shipping, you know, and um, so we're, we're accustomed to covering those costs. So you want to be very leery. Most of the time, very few, you know, come on, very few stores these days give you anything free. And I, you know, also cannot help myself but mention to you that um, gift cards are for gifts because the next piece I'm going to say is, did you, are you aware that so many scam artists are asking for you to, um, you know, if they convince you you're late on your BGE payment, they'll say, and what we want you to do is go get a gift card and send us the numbers on the back and that'll take care of your bill because our systems are down and we can't collect your credit card. And people actually fall for that. So it's a great time to remind everybody gift cards are for gifts you actually give them as gifts and, um, you know, always make sure that you're ordering from the right website or if you pick them up that the gift card's not been damaged before you hand it off. You mentioned text messages uh, and emails that we get all the time saying that our account at places like Amazon or PayPal or Netflix has been compromised in some way. So uh, we need your password. We need your uh, ID to get in and, and to fix yes. it. Um, if 
in fact, somebody has, uh, you know, hacked into your uh, account, how will you know that, 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 that that's the real thing? Because there's so many times I probably get three or four of these a week uh, saying, you know, you're, you're, you've been hacked at Amazon or hacked at PayPal or something. Um, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you sort them out? Yeah, and that's a really good one because, um, first of all, we are on high alert. We are aware of scammers. And most importantly, we are using our credit cards for all this holiday online shopping. So it's logical. First, it, it makes sense. If you don't have a, 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 a financial institution account and you get that text message or that email, you know to forward it as junk and report it as spam. But if I have that particular credit card and I see that, do not click on any of those links. Go to your online banking account, online credit card account. Actually log into it yourself on a secure server where you have um, all the protections. Go there and look at your account and simply see, is there a problem? You can also call the customer service number on the back of your card. That's a great place. Call that directly, but don't rely upon the information, phone numbers, or links provided in those messages on um, your cell phone or in an email because the you know scammers set those up for you to click and then uh, release malware into your phone or your computer. Uh, I know uh, several credit card companies. Uh, one of the ones that I use uh, certainly has this uh, service available when you're making online purchases. They will create for you an account that is specific to that merchant. So you mm-hmm. don't actually use the credit card number that is on the credit card that may be in your wallet or your purse. You use a number that the credit card company creates for you and then links it to uh, your actual account so that mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's going to be used that one and only time. Uh, and it's a it's a, you know, a further level of protection. I think it's a good idea. And I think a lot of credit card companies are doing that. Um, when it comes to charities at this time of year, end of year. Oh, um, people... here's another heartbreaker, right? Yeah, it really is. It's it's tough. Yes. Yes. Oh, but, you know, along with the the conversation we we're having about pet scams that are emotional, they, you know, they really get to our hearts. We want at the end of the year. Um, now, we also know there's tax deductions if I give to a charity. So people may do a lot of their charitable giving at the end of the year. They see what they can afford and they make those. But scammers know it. They set up fake websites to lure you in and if i um you know and they make phone calls they send you text messages emails trying to get you to give so i always say um you know you really want to go directly first i encourage everybody to give local where there's boots on the ground you really know that your dollars are going to programs. That's important. You're not covering admin costs. You're really helping those that are near and dear to your heart. And um, go local, give them a call, ask them how you can best donate and make sure in these cases, and I know this sounds very old fashioned, but I still will write a check for some of my end of the year charities because I can put that check in the mail and I know I'm giving the money directly to them and, and I'm giving locally. So you just need to do your homework and make sure if you're going online, you click on the donate link, 
you make sure that it's encrypted, that you look for um, that evidence in the browser HTTPS, you look for that little padlock, make sure it's locked, and you do everything to, um, to give to um, nonprofits who are taking care and, and protecting your privacy as well. And we do have an email from a listener, Myra, uh, sure. about puppy scams. And she says mm-hmm. uh, the uh, suggestion to check the uh, AKC, the American Kennel Club, to find a good breeder isn't always uh, going to work. Uh, all you have to do to become listed as a breeder on uh, the AKC is to pay them. Uh, and she says, I was a victim of a scam by going to the AKC for the name of a breeder. Just because they register their records there doesn't mean they're a good breeder. So uh, even with that uh, you. level, Thank you know, you, you got to be yeah. you got to be careful. I do want to talk just because we have a minute or so left um, about porch pirates, people who are <laughs> stealing packages from Amazon and Target and Walmart and whomever uh, right off the porch. Um, it's a tough problem. And, and here in Baltimore, it's a problem that, uh, you know, a lot of people encounter. There are are a couple of ways yes. you can work around it. Uh, tell us quickly what those are. Yeah, really, uh, as our packages are being delivered, um, get your neighbors to, to help you um, make sure they're keeping an eye out. Can you send it to their home if you're working? Um, and I am using a service. Um, I am using a package receiving service, somebody that I can have all my packages sent to, and um, they are open to receive them. And um, you need to just look around. Your local uh, UPS store might do that. There are local businesses. I live in Federal Hill. And there's actually actually some local businesses that are offering that as a service. So um, the next option you can use is requiring a signature that you ask the, the delivery company not to deliver it if you are not there to actually sign for the package and that lets you take the the literal possession of that package and anybody who lives in um, single family dwellings or well homes or anything like that of course we all know the ring camera systems are some the camera doorbells are like the best what i'm seeing in my neighborhood are uh, on our neighborhood post People are posting the actual video of the pirates and and we're watching them as they go from house to house. It also gives the police more evidence to make any potential arrest um, arrest as possible. So, and lastly, eh, you might ask your employer, could you have items shipped to to your place of work? And um, that might help as well. Angie Barnett is the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Greater Maryland. Thank you so much for your time and for these good tips. We appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thanks. Happy holidays. Coming up next, a theater review with our midday theater critic, Jay Wynn Russick. We're going to talk about Jagged Little Pill. It's at the Hippodrome after this quick break. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is 88.1 WYPR.